Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Hidden World of Women podcast. My name is Alex. And I'm Trisha. And today we are going to be talking about beauty standards um, according to women. We're not going to be talking about them um, in relation to men, but we are going to be talking about them in relation to women. So just to start us off, uh, I'd like to repeat a quote said by Bruce F. Norton, who is a political science professor at American University. And he said, what is considered a beautiful face is often influenced by what is going on in society. And I think that really kind of sums up our episode in one single sentence. So everyone who's already bored and doesn't want to listen, um, <laughs> just take that and think about it. Um, but yeah, okay. So we're going to get into, um, first off, just general shifts in beauty standards over time, because um, obviously, in like 100 years ago, the beauty standards weren't the same as they are today. Um, so a long time ago, um, like in like Roman times, um, women who were full bodied, um, which we would probably consider to be, um, fat today, which is unfortunate, um, with wider hips were seen as more attractive because one, they were rich and they could indulge in a lot of food. And two, they could also provide babies because, you know, they had wide hips and that just meant that they were like healthier and, um, more you know better for reproduction so it's it's basically like a human instinct you know um a lot of animals have it where like they search for um people that are better for reproduction and will keep the species going so I thought that was really interesting um that that was what was like the beautiful perfect woman um hundreds of years ago and since then, there have been so many changes in tummy size, breast size, hip size, hair length, height, so many other things um, that have changed over time, even from like decade to decade, um, which I think is really interesting as well. So starting with the ancient Greeks, um, we're going to talk about a couple different definitions of beauty. Um, and for the Greeks, it was beauty in facial symmetry. Um, so they would often paint um, people make sculptures of people with symmetrical faces. Um, and then as we're going to move on to the Victorians, which they prized small lips, um, the complete opposite of what we like today, because Kylie Jenner would be <laughs> completely opposite. And a lot of people see her as a very attractive woman. Um, and also skin color um, is a very interesting that we're going to talk about in this too. Because being white used to be a sign of, you know, not having to work outside. You could stay inside all the time. So it meant that you were richer um, and that made you more attractive as well. And women used to use makeup as we got into the 90, or the 1900s when makeup was invented to try to achieve this look. I just want to go back to what you were saying earlier because I think that's so interesting how, like, okay, like, how much it's changed over, like, these decades and even, like, going back to that first quote you just said about how a beautiful face is often influenced by what's going on in society, like, like when you were mentioning sort of the innate, like, biological aspects of, like, reproduction that influence beauty standards, like, other animals, they don't have, like, these, like, constant shifts in beauty. And I think that's such a, like, interesting and, like, unique aspect of, like, humans and, like, <laughs> like human society and um, I think it's like very interesting to like how that like plays into like power dynamics and 
and the functioning of our society. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think it kind of also emphasizes how um, humans have evolved. You know, we used to be apes. (laughs) Um, So how we've evolved and... I'm going to get a little philosophical, um, or sorry, psychological for a second. Um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, like the first Mm -hmm. bottom ones are like reproduction and um, no, they're not. Anyway. um, (laughs) No, no, you're on to something there though. Cause like the bottom ones are like, you know, like having like food and shelter, but the top ones, you know, you want to be on the top. You want to be like happy. Yeah. And a lot of species don't have the advantage of having a preference of who they mate with but we humans are so evolved that we do have a preference in who we mate with and I think that's really interesting because even people who like aren't as fit to have children per se um they're still accepted into society because we are so evolved that that doesn't matter Mm -hmm. at all yeah and like like even just to add on to that like we've had a lot of like mathematical attempts to like define beauty like for example the golden ratio and just like um being representative of like very like childish features but like we've seen through like countless different people that it's much more than that like there's like definitely a societal aspect to it oh yeah definitely um I think that's very interesting to study how beauty changes over time with what's going on at the time period as well Mm -hmm. Okay, so next we want to next we wanted to kind of talk about beauty standards today, um, because we were talking about how like they have changed over what's going on in society. So today, beauty is believed to be based on good health. You know, we've got like clear skin, um, absence of body hair, showing that you have good hygiene, um, and just like a general healthy look to you. You know, you're not dirty. Your hair is clean. Your hair is not oily. Um, your skin is white, which we're going to talk about more later. Um, about people of color and their dynamics in beauty. Um, but again, to what we were saying, these are arguably due to human instincts because you know you don't want to be in a relationship with someone who's dirty um, because it shows that they don't take care of themselves. And how can they take care of you? Um, as a person if they don't take care of themselves so I think that's also an interesting thing to look at Um, and I've got another quote to to um, emphasize this so this is from Gloria Steinem who is the co-founding editor of Miss Magazine Um, and she said they reflect the power structure in our society and I think that's what going back to what you kind of said Tricia about like the power dynamics um, of society and how women like reflect them because Mm -hmm. or sorry like beauty standards and women reflect them because you know a hundred years ago women were um just there to like sit still look pretty Mm -hmm. you know they weren't expected to work but like today like that's very attractive to see someone who has made their own lifestyle and um has a lot of power yeah like that like shift is like so I don't know it's just so interesting like there's so many layers to it like I think with like media and just like the general like narrative of what beauty is it it seems like a very singular perspective but like I feel like as you sort of like uncover the layers it becomes a lot more like different yeah um and it's also influenced a lot by social media and like influencers today um such as Kylie Jenner like I mentioned before but yeah it's it's a lot deeper than what it looks like on the outside and there's um 
it's never an accident how the like beauty standard what the beauty standards are at the time it's it's not an accident it's due to something in society that's happening true true yeah that makes sense like you know thinking about again just like power dynamics like how does a singular group use beauty as a way to like enforce power and current societal like norms like that's huge and like even with that social media thing it's like social media is like almost like a like a quasi society almost where like you know you have people that are powerful you have people at the top you have sort of like a pyramid like hierarchy like there and and the way that that perpetuates like certain like societal images is like very powerful I think yeah I totally agree with you and like even looking at the power dynamics on social media the most the people who are on top are the most successful um but also we think of them as the most beautiful and I think that's um, not a coincidence um because that's what we value today yes (laughs) yeah um so next we're going to be talking a bit about western beauty standards and how some western beauty standards are um elements of other cultures and also how people have started to break barriers about western beauty standards so first the miss america pageant did not allow people of color until the 1940s and i think that says a lot first about racism but also about beauty in that time um because mm-hmm. black people were at the bottom of the um they're at the bottom of this the power pyramid as we're gonna call it um and they, people didn't believe that they were beautiful. Um, and this was in part due to white supremacists from the slave era when they didn't want Black people to feel like they had power. So they put them down and they told them, you are not beautiful, but they are. And um, even that shift in the Miss America beauty pageant shows a lot about how the dynamic changed over the 1900s. Um, because blonde, blue-eyed, and tall used to be the standard, you know, like white, blonde, mm-hmm. blue-eyed, and tall, um, and that drastically changed, and we still see it today, um, because, anyway, we're gonna talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, no, yeah, you're you're definitely right, like, I, that's so surprising to me, like, white supremacists, like, they literally, like, wanted them to, or was it sort of, like, an underlying thing? Um, I think it was... I think I think it was a bit intentional because they wanted mm-hmm. white people to be like the top mm-hmm. um, and they didn't want, you know, if you if you break down by saying someone like if you say to someone you are not beautiful, then they're not going to feel like they have any power in society. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was an accident. Um, and in the 1900s is when we started to see the black is beautiful movement um, and <laughs> black people started to break away from that and be like no actually no we are beautiful and we can have power and we are valued members of the society um and they completely changed the beauty standards and at the same time kind of a paralleled movement um was in mexico and frida Kahlo was a big part in this i'm sure we've um all seen her painting you know she has a unibrow and she's wearing colombian clothes And it's completely against the standard, um, the beauty standards of that time. But she did her part and she um, broke beauty standards by 
making that self-portrait of herself queen queen literal queen (laughs) queen queen (laughs) um yeah and then kind of going into what I was talking about before about how um there used to be different cultures have been adopted or different like style trends have been adopted by western culture and have been appropriated um to not represent what they originally represented and trisha and i are both going to talk about this because (laughs) trisha can give um a bit of an opinion as a person of color um and i think that's valuable in every way (laughs) i mean yeah like for me at least like okay i'm south asian and i just i find it really frustrating um seeing like cultural appropriation because there's like this it's just so frustrating because people will literally like make fun of you they'll they will say bad things to you they will like they might even like be violent against you or like hurt you because of your culture and then like all of a sudden they take parts of your culture and they make it like all of a sudden it's like now it's fine like now it's pretty and it it it's just it's it really is really frustrating um some of the beauty trends like you were saying that have been appropriated like you know people used to western people used to oppressed black people um but then all of a sudden they decided to adopt some of their trends um and some of these trends that i'm talking about are hoops wearing lip gloss box braids weaves styling edges um big lips glitter on your cheekbones which was actually um started by black singers in the 1900s um and they don't get the credit for it and like you said it must be so frustrating for people of color to be like well, that was actually originated by people who look like me, but people who look like me are not wearing it. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Like, literally every single, like, group that's, like, a person of color has experienced this in, like, so many different levels. I mean, not even just beauty, but, like, it, it's just so, like, integrated. And I feel like it's, no one talks about it. Like, no one really understands, like, why this is bad. Like, Okay, for example, like, since I'm, like, a South Asian, I, I can speak on the cultural appropriation of henna. Like, again, just going back to what I was saying, like, if you wore henna, white people would be like, that is so gross. What is on your hand? Like, ew, that looks like poop. And then all of a sudden, some people started making it a trend, and then now it was beautiful. Like, like Alex, and like, even in our school, we had this, like, little booth in middle school that like gave henna for like a little party and I'm like first of all you don't even understand where henna is coming from why do you have the right to use our own culture for like your costume like it's not and like even with that too like I see so many people using that for things like Coachella and like they use other elements that are like traditional to South Asian culture like bindis I'm like you don't know where this is coming from. And this isn't this isn't just for South Asians. Like, I mean, like East Asians have like kimonos that have been appropriated and like other dresses. Like the Hispanic community has like, for example, like um, I think bandanas were, were, were a really big thing and like hoops as well. And it's just really frustrating when people like refuse to acknowledge like the ways in which society oppresses like people who don't fit the norm and then the ways in which 
the people who do fit the norm like take that and use I'm not explaining this properly, but <laughs> but um, take it and then they they act like they don't acknowledge where it comes from, which is really like the the thesis of my point right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally get what you're saying, and like oppressed people who used to wear these things, but then all of a sudden they decided that it was cool and they started making it trendy and that just says a lot about the culture of beauty and how white people have always controlled beauty, at least in the Western world, even when like it, it's, it's all up to them. And that needs to change because the definition of beauty should include more than just what white people want it to. And I think that's really important to be talking about as well. Mm-hmm. When we talk about how like white people dominate the perspective that is beauty like considering other aspects like diversity within like media toys and beauty products that is huge in perpetuating this like eurocentric like standard i mean if there is poc like in forms of media which that alone is very rare it's usually like it's usually people of color with very like eurocentric features for example like light skin or like small noses or like they're very skinny and aspects like downturned noses or like noses with a bump or like monolids or like facial and body hair they're considered to be ugly because this is this this image is continuously perpetuated and also I know I've been talking a lot about like people of color but like this is pretty much with like all marginalized groups I mean when was the last time you saw like a disabled person who got a platform in media like that's never been there and they use the image of like beauty in order to solidify like the oppression that a lot of marginalized groups face yeah um and that needs to change and that's why we're talking about it yes (laughs) um so next we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about our perspectives about beauty and how we've grown up because um trish and i grew up in the same area um, so I think that our perspective might be interesting for some people who didn't grow up in the same area. Um, like, for example, I've always seen, like, being beautiful as being skinny, mm-hmm. tan, fit, you know, the girls who play a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and personally, I have pretty broad shoulders, and that's not really seen as feminine. Um, so, like, the athletic I'm talking about is like a feminine athletic, so like a lean, strong person. Um, so I've always kind of been bothered by that. And I don't really wear like tank tops or things like that just because I don't think it looks good. Um, and I think that's really interesting because in different places, um, so in some places like being athletic isn't really like a, a beauty standard. It's just like plain being skinny. Um, I can't really explain why that is, but I think other people could have differing um, opinions about how they've grown up and what was seen as um, being beautiful. No, I mean, that's like a huge thing, too, because like, like that just demonstrates the huge double standard that like women face in regards to beauty. Like, <laughs> if you don't exercise enough, you're not beautiful. But if you exercise too much and you have like two masculine features, that's also not beautiful. But if you're too girly, that's also like, not beautiful because you're too girly and you're not like so it's like it's just 
it's very frustrating <laughs> i think to say the yeah. least and women are always have always faced this and it's it's time for a change you're so right in that like oh my gosh and like oh my god okay speaking on that like double standard thing i think it's interesting to like see how like the the beauty standard for like white people is like being tan but at the same time like it's sort of weird because white people they like they oppress like people of color based on the color of their skin and one thing that I hear a lot is like oh but like when I tan I'm like the same color as you like why are you making such a big deal or like you know like having lighter skin does not compare to like having tanner skin from white people and like one thing I have to say about that is like you have to acknowledge like there is a racial component with that like white people wanting to be tan does not equal people of color and like dark-skinned people wanting to be light-skinned because for example going back to that like social hierarchy yes white people do have like those pressures from classes because the whole reason why tan skin is popular is because like the rich were allowed to like you know go on vacations and like do all that whereas like other people could not and so there was that like class division there but also like I think it's important to recognize that like people who are dark-skinned who want to become light-skinned are literally doing that because of the way that society oppresses them through this the way that like people people like (laughs) I I think I get what you're saying and it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about how it's only a trend and when like the western civilization wants it to be and they Mm -hmm. used to oppress people for having darker skin but now having darker skin is a cool thing um so yeah i think that's very interesting right and like white people you can just not get a tan but like we have to live with the color of our skin and yeah so i think that just like reinforces your point there alex yeah i totally agree um so we also wanted to before we get into kind of the um, kind of how corporations um, profit off of beauty um, and telling people that they're not beautiful, we wanted to talk about a couple organizations, or sorry, not organizations, but um, some companies that do. Um, and a non-exhaustive list is Aerie from American Eagle. Billy Razors, I'm sure we've all seen their commercials where there's girls that have armpit hair and they have unibrows and the song in the background is like, that girl is a tomboy. tomboy. (laughs) It's so cool. (laughs) I love it. Um, And then also like Dove and Target and Old Navy are also brands that promote body body positivity. Um, For example, women with women of color, women with disabilities, women with scars, women with body fat and cellulite and just people that are real people and aren't the models that we see on Instagram that we think are beautiful. And I think that helps to change the conversation in so many ways and more companies should be doing that because it can only benefit them if more people feel confident wearing their clothes versus people buying their products just because they feel insecure. I guess it sort of goes on to like the ways in which companies perpetuate this image because the truth is it's like 
super male dominated like this perspective came out of like companies wanting to achieve profit off of our insecurities and like that's like a huge reality like for example like um in the gilded ages which was like the 1920s there's this advertisement that says don't stay too fat um the safest and quickest way to reduce is by perspiration and so then they have like a frown eradicator for like two dollars and a chin reducer for two dollars that's literally creating insecurities for their profit and this has been going on like since then i think it's also like so important to recognize that like today this is like still like a huge huge reality because many of the top executives and leaders of beauty companies are headed by men um yeah that's oh my god we talked about this in our episode about periods and how these men are they don't understand um the struggles that women face and they just perpetuate this over and over again like you just said no like literally like i just okay there's like this quote um the statistics so apparently in a 2016 report by Ledbetter, um they're a research group that measures the gender disparity across big name companies um they found that beauty outranked every other profession in terms of the highest percentage of women seen on the board and in the in the executive positions so 29 percent of women were like on the highest like business like leadership in beauty companies so that means like the other like 60 70 oh my god my brain my brain is i was like that's not right (laughs) okay well that means the other 71 percent of like top executives are male which is so frustrating yeah so we ask ourselves why is an industry meant to provide clothing and services for women led by men i think that's the question we should all be thinking about exactly oh my god make it make sense yeah literally literally and like okay to even emphasize this further if this didn't convince you enough um there's this wonderful artist named Portia munson and she did something called the pink project um it was created in 1994 and it features thousands of like discarded pink products for example like hair clips, pacifiers, fake nails, combs, cleaning products, and tampon applicators, just to name a few. But as you can see from those like few examples, the color pink is used to enforce standards of beauty and like femininity. femininity? Yeah, like across the board. And considering the fact that all these like CEOs are male, that just shows the ways in which society like uses beauty in order to keep us like into one specific standard and like 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 we go like (laughs) like subtly oppress women exactly and it's time for that to change because there's so many people that don't fit that standard um that may feel like are they may feel like they yeah no like literally like that makes me so happy because like Oh, oh my gosh. Like, so many right? women, just, like, don't fit into that standard, and that's just, like, so so uplifting. <laughs> it's awesome because so many women are rejecting beauty today. Like, we yeah. we read this NPR article about how women, Black women, are decolonizing their style, 
So for example, they're letting their hair be natural instead of being straight. I know when I was in middle school, I used to straighten my hair every day because I have pretty curly hair. Um, and I used to straighten my hair all the time. I know you did too, Trisha. Same. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. And like, I've grown to realize that my hair is beautiful and it doesn't need to be straight and perfect like every girl that I thought was beautiful when I was a kid. Um, and also another thing is women growing out their body hair as a rejection of femininity, which we are going to talk about it more in depth in a different episode um, about feminine femininity (laughs) um and I think that's just awesome because like it's it's seen as being more like masculine if you have body hair but it's really not and it doesn't define your beauty um and also another thing that I think is really important is celebrities have also been coming out talking about how their pictures are airbrushed when they're like in magazines for example and they've shown like their like before and afters and have um called out their magazines for airbrushing them and being like am I not beautiful enough like why are you like slimming my waist Mm. um and I think that is so important to changing the conversation yeah it's like if all the images that we're seeing of like women in magazines and on media are literally like edited they're not even real people like what does that do to everyone and the celebrities it's just exactly it's so like it's so not fair to women who don't fit the mold because they're beautiful too oh all women are beautiful all women are beautiful yes (laughs) (laughs) are gender fluid and they don't Mm -hmm. match the beauty standards of either gender and where are they like they aren't represented in many places and they are still beautiful um so i think it's time to change the conversation around beauty standards for women and for men as well although we didn't talk about it there are many problems with men's beauty as well but yeah well said well said (laughs) thank you thank you um do you have anything else to say trisha nope i think that's it for me (laughs) awesome okay no (laughs) well that just about wraps up this episode um we're going to be um posting once every two weeks or twice mm-hmm. a month um if we don't figure that out I'm sorry we our schedule has been a bit rocky um but we are getting that back on track um so without further ado my name is Alex and I'm Trisha and we hope to see you on our next episode bye <laughs>